Welcome to Ouija Broads. This is Liz. This is Devin. Devin, you know what I like to do when we can do it is to thank some patrons. Patrons. <laughs> and I make up a new song every time. That's a great song. I was really excited to hear what you like to do when we can do it. And then you <laughs> kept on talking, <laughs> destroying my dreams one at a time. As ever, I don't remember when we last did these. I do remember we thanked Vete already. So I'll yes. say thank you, Gina. Thank you. Thank you, Meredith. And thank you, Alex. And we have a backlog of warm-ups and rough cuts that I need to get up. But the exciting news is I have hired an editor. So that's phenomenal. life is going to go a little smoother in that department. Phenomenal. I think we that'll be see. great. I really like what she's done so far. She's been great. Oh. We have just met the coolest, most helpful people through this podcast. Thanks, patrons. Thank Thanks, you. past, present, and future patrons. That's why we can hire an editor yes. and stuff like that My and goodness. pay for a transcription and such. So, Devin, I told you I had an Alaska story. You did. Alaska's going to get you. Alaska's going to get you. This is kind of a story where i'm surprised a horror movie hasn't been set yet oh god but it's real life all right so i'm gonna tell you about whittier alaska which is a town of about 200 people uh-huh. almost all of whom live in one building S- what yes there is one building it is a big apartment block it used to be an army barracks it's 14 stories tall it has all their homes a police station health clinic church laundromat there's a school that kids get to through a tunnel (laughs) there's a church it is so cold out they will get 60 mile an hour winds and below freezing temperatures there's an indoor playground no way they took some of the floor space and it's got, the pictures are surreal. It's like watching people who've moved into Chernobyl or something. But they've yeah. got, you know, the wood chips on the ground and the swing set. And they're no. just inside. Way. They're just chilling inside. This is the place that will survive come the apocalypse because they've got everything. They do have Indoors everything. Indoors and safe. My goodness. Yeah, they are called the city under one roof. Depending on the source that you read. It's probably not true that everyone in Whittier lives under one roof, literally, right? There are a couple other little scattered places around, but the low estimate is about 80%. My goodness. So that's what, 170 people, 160 people. 160, just double 80. There you go. You're absolutely right. It is. My goodness. It, well, we'll talk more about what it's like to live yeah. there soon, but let's talk a little bit more about what it's like if you don't live there, but you come to visit. Okay. So first of all, you can only get to it by very specific methods. You can take a ferry. Okay. You can take a bush plane. Oh, no thanks. Or if you would like to drive, there is a tunnel through a mountain. It is 15 feet by 15 feet. And two and a half miles long. I will be sick. Oh, yes. my goodness. Mm-hmm. The tunnel stresses me out hugely. Yes. The tunnel gives me flashbacks to that part in Stephen King's The Stand. Did, did you ever read that? Oh, I did read The Stand. Yes. It's- yes, where he's got to get out of New York and yep. he goes through, like, the 
Long Island Express. He goes through some tunnel and he's got to like negotiate it. So they actually, the tunnel is so narrow because it used to be a train tunnel. They converted it for cars, but it can only fit one car at a time. So somebody works there and their job is to regulate traffic and coordinate stuff. And sometimes it's still trains. But generally, (sighs) what happens is if you're going in, you can go on the hour. And if you're going out, you can go on the half hour (laughs) because you have to take turns. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Through this two and a half mile long tunnel, which I wish I could get a good look at these things. They call them safe houses. They are thrown in at various intervals throughout so that should something happen and say the electricity cuts, you're not just there completely isolated in god's colon like you're not just (laughs) satan's colon like it would be so scary i get scared in tunnels anyway i know know. and you know if you're like me and you do the thing where it's like well you got to hold your breath through the whole thing like (sighs) screw you boys i'm in satan's butthole i'm not doing that yeah you're gonna die yeah so they have safe houses so that if you get stuck you can wait Marvelous. And communicate with the people who work there, who they work there. Someone always has to be on it. Yep. Because if somebody in Whittier has an emergency, they usually use a algorithm, like a computer figures out like, oh, okay, we're going the other way now. But they need somebody who can override it and say, no, an ambulance needs to be able to come in right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we need to know there's no car coming the other direction. Yep. yep. Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah. Cavens. Could be a concern yeah, for that. Couldn't it? <laughs> the concern that is very active and that they have to deal with all the time is the exhaust. Oh. So a car driving along is going to be leaving this trail of exhaust with nowhere to Doesn't go. Doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. So they actually have actual literal jet engines that pump new air through the tunnel in the direction of traffic, meaning it switches back and forth. Okay. Why they do that is because if anybody, I don't know, flicks a cigarette butt out the window and it ignites the exhaust, the flames will get blown behind you like a cool guy (laughs) instead of into oncoming traffic to kill you. tunnel's probably how I'd get to this city of, of all the options. <laughs> no, nope. I'm taking the ferry, my friends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, the tunnel closes at 11 p.m. and opens around 5.30 a.m. Mm, most it? of the year. Okay. So during, like, tourist season, I think it stays open a little later. Okay. But, like, that's um, Ocean Isle, where I took you. Matt, when he was growing up, it was the same way with their little old bridge. Like, they would just close that yeah. shit. Like, no, you live here now. Yeah, you're... you're, you're <laughs> We're going to price gouge you on sleeping bags. Sorry. Yep. Yep. So the tunnel is in itself just a horror movie waiting to happen. Absolutely it is. That part is fantastic. But (laughs) should I talk a little bit about how it got like this? I'm really curious as to, I want to know, you know, did it start out with more people and it came down to 200? Is 200 the max? Why? Of all places, this this isolated little area? I'm sure you're going to tell me, but I'm definitely curious. Well, I like to hear what questions you have, though, because it's interesting. Um, Yeah. Now, after World War II, 
the U.S. military, which drives a lot of the wilder construction projects we discuss here. For sure it does. <laughs> they become very concerned about the Ruskies. No, oh, don't They're they? They're real worried about yeah. what's going on just across the water there. Mm-hmm. And so they say, we want a massive outpost in Alaska because then we're going to be ready when the Cold War heats up. <laughs> this is going to be fantastic. Like, Cold War architecture is such a big part of this between the missile silos yeah. that we have just north of us yeah. and this. Anyway, they chose Whittier. Okay. And they begin constructing the Buckner Building. There's two buildings we will talk about in this. Okay. The Buckner Building is 273,000 square feet. I can't conceptualize. Three years to build. You can look it up if you want. Look up like Buckner Building Whittier. Okay. It's big, but it's not like mind-bogglingly big. Not even as big as a mall, you know? Yeah, it makes me think of maybe a couple airport hotels together or something like that. Okay. So they're turning Whittier into Camp Sullivan. And they're trying to make it a Pacific Theater Cold War staging area. Okay. Now, the idea was going to be that they would build 10 of these Mm. because they needed long-term support for their regional military operations, as well as defending all the precious, precious oil that we were taking out of Alaska. For sure. So Buckner, as they built it, was posh. It had auditorium, movie theater, Mm -hmm. gym, hospital, library. It had a brig or a jail. It had a pool. It had a post office, radio station, rifle range, and a bowling alley. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fancy. That covers all the sports, rifle range and bowling. That's all of them. Yep. (laughs) Indoor baseball. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also built sturdy as shit, right? Because they're like, well... If somebody starts dropping nukes, what are we going to do? We want to be able to withstand this. So it's very, very thick concrete. Yeah, I'm looking this up online. This is a unit of a concrete building. It is an absolute unit of a concrete building. So the first and second floors had 12-foot ceilings. Floors three through six, 10 feet tall. Every floor and exterior wall is poured and reinforced concrete. And then they've got elevators and stairwells with eight-inch thick walls. This is a very, very sturdy mother. Damn. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Brick house. Now, they pick Whittier because... Yeah, literally. Uh, They pick Whittier because it's not that far from Anchorage. Mm. Like, I'm sure if you are a kid growing up in Whittier and the the tunnel closes at 11, it feels a very long way from Anchorage. I'm sure. But it was an option. It has a port that is free of ice year-round and a lot of heavy fog cover. And so they went, yes, this is going to be fantastic. (laughs) You can only come in by water. We can watch this. They dig this tunnel, which, you know, you can't invade through a 15-foot tunnel that's two and a half (laughs) miles long. No, not really. Yeah, that is very, very manageable. Yeah. So during the active years, which were not very long, the Buckner building, in its peak era, it could have a thousand stationed troops that would never have to leave the facility. Oh, wow. Which is 
quite a thing. It's it's very risk. It's very, I'm going to pile all my guys up in Alaska and you can't take North America because <laughs> this is where all my dudes are. No, no it, it's, it's like risk, but also the Titanic, I'm assuming, <laughs> a <bit>. you know, because <laughs> I don't think this ends well, necessarily. And certainly there's, I mean, everything you could possibly need on this ship mm-hmm. in this building. Yeah, it has, it has a very Starship Titanic vibe. Mm-hmm. It's it's strange. And like so many construction projects, barely gets off the ground before they go, oh, that's not what we're trying to do, is it? <laughs> <laughs> they change it. They don't build eight more. Yeah. There are two buildings. Okay. There's, I don't know if it's B. I should look up how to pronounce this. Do Let that. Me just... Go for it. Baggage. We're going to say baggage. Baggage. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> baggage. 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 <laughs> My accent's not that bad. Baggage. It's B-E-G-I-C-H. Baggage. <laughs> Sorry. I got a little bit of a baggage. I'm going to need to leave Calm town. Calm down. It's crotching it. <laughs> Come on. Tell me about your bag itching. Oh, my God. <sighs> You're not allowed. Uh, I'm, not, <laughs> okay. I'm not a quiet either. <laughs> But I'm okay. <laughs> Where was I? Where was I? Where the fuck was I? Okay. <laughs> Stuck with me. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. Mm. Okay. You had told me okay. about the one mm-hmm. building. And now you're going to tell Buckner me. Buckner building. The, Buck- <laughs> the Buckner building. And now you're going to tell me about where yes. Frodo lives. <sighs> yes. First, I'm going to tell you a little more about what happened to the Buckner building. Oh, so are you? They started building it in 1950. By 1960, they don't want a camp there anymore. <laughs> They've changed their plan. Guys. So they make it inactive. They say this isn't a military installation anymore. Okay. They're still under the charge of the army, but they don't really have a plan. Okay. Now, something comes along in 1964. That shakes things up a little bit, pun completely intended. It's the largest earthquake in United States history. Are you familiar with the Good Friday earthquake? Because I was not not. amazing. Uh Oh, fucking amazing. Okay, so the Good Friday earthquake happens on March 27th, 1964. It is the second largest earthquake ever recorded. Wait. This is, yeah. Fuck, dude. All right, continue. This is massive. Well, I should say ever recorded by a seismograph, right? Like the (laughs) biggest Richter scale reading. I'm sure big stuff happened, but we didn't have a seismograph. It's a 9.2. That's on a scale of 10, friends. Yeah, yeah. A a logarithmic scale of 10. Yeah, exactly. The ground moves for... The better part of four minutes. Mm -mm. So I'll tell you when it's been four minutes. And I want you to imagine the ground dancing through all of that. Rude. There are 40-foot tsunami waves hitting the shoreline. 139 people in Alaska die. Okay. This is a gigantic, massive, disruptive thing. The largest wave? The largest wave Mm -hmm. that they measured during that earthquake. Because, of course, you know, the whole ocean's going. Yeah. More than 200 feet. 
Whoa! That's taller than the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Whoa! That is big. I looked that up because I'm like, I don't understand what 200 feet is. Now I do. Yeah, you do. That's very large. Oh, my. Big boy. Yeah. It's a unit of a wave. Yeah. Valdez, Alaska is functionally level. I bet. Because it was built on sand and gravel. Oh. And the soil turns into liquid. Yeah, it does. The delta slumps into the port. Yeah. And most of the whole town just goes into the water, which then triggers a tsunami, <sighs> which then triggers a rupture in the oil tanks, which makes a massive fire. <laughs> so it was a series of unfortunate events. Oh, what a bad in the, day. In the most classic sense. This was, oh, all of this that I, that I read about scares the hell out of me. So it hits Prince William Sound, which is about 74 miles southeast of Anchorage. Okay. It made the Space Needle wobble. No way. 1,200 miles away. It was so fucking powerful. No That way. it registered in every state's seismograph except for Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Delaware. Oh, they don't count anyway. Like... They were picking that shit up in Maine. They were picking it up in Florida. <laughs> it was bizarre. It was huge. Wow. So people who are there say they hear this crunching and this grinding, and yeah. they start seeing the asphalt, the roads, rising and falling like waves. <sighs> and the ground is opening and closing in front of them, and water is shooting up in cracks. So, wow. of course... Since the water's shooting up through the cracks, what this means is everything underneath is getting completely total. Yeah. As they're watching this happen, what's going on is water mains are breaking, sewer lines are mm-hmm. breaking, gas lines, the telephone poles are nothing, the electricity is out, yeah. railroad tracks ripped up, buildings gone, cars, docks. They said the earth rang like a bell. But oh. the worst was the tsunamis and the landslides. Yeah. So, 15 people died during the initial, holy shit, the whole ground is now a bouncy castle yeah. moment. Has it been That's... four minutes yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that you're watching the ground fucking twerk. You're watching an asphalt road ripple like a wave on a windy day. No. And it just keeps happening. So, 15 people died during that initial tremor. And all the other rest of that 130-odd die because of the tsunamis and landslides. Oh, my. Parts of the Alaskan coast sank up to eight feet. Other parts rose up to 38 feet. And much of the coast moved 50 feet toward the ocean. (laughs) So it was a real cha-cha slide situation. (laughs) Like, everybody was going someplace that they had not been before, which is not what you want. In your ground. No, this is like the time no. you took me contra dancing and I slid my <laughs> shit across the floor and ended up stunned so and dazed. <laughs> it's now been about four minutes. No. For the way. record. So imagine that that whole time. I'm like, shit, that's enough time to become upset because it keeps happening. Like it's one yeah. thing if something scary happens and it's over and you're yeah. like, yeah, that you're like, oh god, this just keeps happening. Yeah, yeah. no, this is no. this is enough time for even me to find Jesus, honey. <laughs> this is enough time to second guess your first reaction. If you're like, I'm gonna go stand in a door frame, and you're like, no, I'm actually stand in the door frame. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, I think being under a table right now feels better. No, let's go back to the door frame. That was right. Yeah, 
just me at a checkout line going, any of these, any of these would have been better than the one I picked mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. Every time. Every fucking so this, time. Much like a story that I keep teasing and not doing about the sunken forest. Yeah, you is don't. also also well did you not want all the sharks or what Mm. this is also a a seismic event that took entire coastal forests and plunged them below sea level yeah just swept them right in yeah so of course you dump a lot of shit in the water yeah you're gonna get tsunamis and they happen almost immediately so four minutes is enough time to regret your first reaction it's not enough time to get to higher ground Yeah, well, because you're not supposed you're not supposed to be running around like a chicken. Like you're supposed to chill. Yeah, but uh, there's a tidal wave that takes out a whole village. The town loses a third of its population. Destruction in Kodiak, Whittier, Seward. There's downtown Anchorage has landslides that drop the business district by nine feet. Whoa, shit, dude. Yeah. Now, soil liquefaction is now one of my most upsetting concepts up there with, like, degloving or something. But it's when the ground behaves like a liquid. Yeah. And in Anchorage, soil liquefaction triggers a landslide, which moves parts of a suburban bluff. And, of course, I'm immediately picturing high drive, right? Of course. Yes. It moves it 2,000 feet into the bay. That's two football fields Taking into the bay. 75 houses with it. 75 houses. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. now they've got beachfront property. There you go. Look on the bright side. Yeah, the control side. tower at the airport collapses, a bridge collapses, and they have thousands, thousands of aftershocks. And they're getting weird water sloshing around like it's not a tsunami, but it's not normal. Yeah. On the Gulf. They're getting it in Australia. Whoa. They are getting it everywhere. This was massive. I'm like, how did I not hear about this? How? Well, I yeah. guess it's just growing up in Washington. You hear everything about Mount St. Helens. Exactly. You don't hear anything about this tremendous earthquake and the resultant tsunami, Mm-mm. which takes out, you know, all these southeastern coastal Alaskan towns, takes out a lot of stuff along Vancouver. It also kills four people in Oregon and 12 people in California. For real? That's how big this tidal wave was. Yes. How? I mean, I imagine they were surfing or or otherwise right by the water, but oh my goodness. Yeah. Isn't that fucking wild? So, I mean, it was giant also in terms of how much we learned about earthquakes (laughs) and how reactive we got. And how we now understand the whole Pacific Rim thing a little bit better. I tell you what, soil liquefaction, when you live in Seattle for any amount of time, becomes something Mm -hmm. you consider. That's why I am on a certain side of 99 or I-5. Because I tell you what, when the big one hits, it is liquid on the ocean side of I-5. It's supposed Absolutely. to just, it, it, it's, it's going to immediately go. Some people are on bedrock and some people are not. Uh-huh. And if you are on the equivalent of a child's sandbox, then it's going to go down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are on trash. Seattle's bays, yeah. much like Boston's, were built up with landfill, my friends. So yeah. <laughs> it's trash and other Seattle. It's, it's this trash. is what Seattle lives on top of. <laughs> <laughs> Qu- 
quite right, my friend. We've still never done the underground either. (laughs) No. What are we even doing? I can do an episode on the underground, but you and I, you need to come over here so we can do the underground. But I don't want to be in the underground. I've done the underground. You haven't done me underground. Hell. So, Ooh. so yeah, come do it. So here, here's the part that exasperates me. So some of the towns rebuild on higher ground, but they put luxury homes right back on top no. of where all those ones went into the no, water. No, guys. No, don't do that. Yeah. Upsetting. <laughs> what does all this have to do with the town under one roof? Yeah. Well. Do you tell. It only kills 13 people in Whittier, which is not bad considering 40-foot tsunami waves hitting this town that is specifically on the bay. Yes. Like, it's specifically meant to be on the water. Yes. Now, it did explode their oil tank. Okay. And sent burning oil into the bay for miles. Oh, dear. But the Buckner building, despite having sat there for four years without nobody in it, it was mostly fine because it was bombproof. Well, yeah. Like they, they built it to last. Yeah. And what is a tsunami so but nature's bomb? Yeah. yeah. And the earthquake and the tsunami. And it's just like, well, you know, <laughs> I'm fine. They, they rupture a couple of water lines from the reservoir. Okay. And that's it. That is it. My goodness. Yeah. I feel pretty safe now. Yeah. Feel better about that, except you have to go through the goddamn tunnel. Was anybody in the tunnel during the... Did the tunnel come down? Did you hear anything? The, no, okay. it didn't. The tunnel well, was also secure. All right. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, <laughs> but uh, it seems like it's okay. So one thing, though, is there's a lot of ambiguity about what's going on with the Buckner building and who owns it. Mm. So it does have a chain of ownership through the years but a lot of it is like when you have that one restaurant in your neighborhood where you're like oh grand opening grand closing okay (laughs) all right there it goes so somebody's like oh this is gonna be great we're gonna make a resort and then they don't yeah and then they don't and then they don't right the military is not interested in it And it starts to go downhill and everybody moves into this other building the baggage building. Okay. Which I know you find hilarious. I'm keeping it together for you. <laughs> you are keeping it together. Baggage. It's yes. just so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> which, because it was built more or less at the same time, is more or less exactly the same thing, except not quite as fancy. It doesn't mm. have, like, the cinema and everything. Oh. But this is where everybody lives now. Now, what makes it especially creepy and horror movie to me is it's not like they took the Buckner building down. So you have one tiny town with 200 people in it. You cannot get to it by any means that would not scare the pants off a normal person. (laughs) Yep. And they have two big buildings and one is where everybody lives. And the other is where nobody lives. The other, from what the internet shows me, is where ghosts and murderers live. Yes, this is going to be one with a lot of pictures. Yes. So every window is broken. Creatures are getting in. Precipitation is getting in. Vegetation is getting in. So... If you are a 10-year-old sturdy concrete building, you can survive a short, sharp shock. Yeah. 
If you are unoccupied for 50 years and humans are near you, it will not look as good. Yeah. So it really does remind me a lot of pictures you see of the Chernobyl exclusion Mm -hmm. zone these days, right? Mm -hmm. Where there's a lot of, okay, that's a normal thing, but it's incredibly water damaged. Or stuff is coming apart. It actually kind of looks North Korean, too, like some of the pictures that you see from their abandoned hotels. Yeah. But with a lot of graffiti. I'm seeing a lot of yeah. graffiti and some nude photo shoots happening Intriguing. in these yes, places. It's very, very popular with urban explorers. Yes. And they will prosecute you because they do not want you in there. Ugh. But there's whole sections of it. Of course, you know, there's no electricity running to it. Yeah. They're not going to do that. The lowest level is flooded and there's entire sections with no light. Oh, Wow. At all. So that, again, I'm like, horror movie. Shit, what are we doing? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Just these these photos, the more I'm scrolling while you're talking, the creepier. I mean, it's like like what happens to the Stanley Hotel after Mm -hmm. Jack Torrance is the last caretaker. There's drifts piled up against this. There's pictures of doors that have been left open and six feet of snow have tumbled in. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone's in this other building now. Okay. Give or take. And they still live there to this day. So let's talk a little bit about what that life is like. Because it's unusual. (sighs) I imagine that everybody knows everybody. And Mm -hmm. anyone of a certain age has slept with everybody. <laughs> I like it. It'll just a, it's just a bunch of swingers. It's just a bunch of swingers. Just keep partying it up in Whittier. I have so, wanted to have a commune. I, you know, my dream is to buy mm-hmm. the Otis Hotel in Spokane, turn it into mm-hmm. condos, and have my fifteen closest people be able to move into it. I don't want to see your faces every day, though. <laughs> and I, yes. I don't think you can avoid that in this place. I wanted to tell you one more thing about the Buckner building as we double back and then we will come back to this. Yes, please. Is that, okay, here's the water cycle as exemplified by the Buckner building. Snow blows in through the windows. Okay, Mm -hmm. you got snow inside. Okay. Snow melts. You have standing water. Water freezes. Every floor is now an ice (laughs) rink. Do you remember when we moved into the house on 16th? And we would track in snow <sighs> into the U-Haul with our shoes. Yes. And then it would melt and refreeze. Yes. So the whole metal floor of the U-Haul yes. was just slick. Yes. It was amazing. Yes. I never want to move during February again in my life. Why did we do that? God, I don't know. I couldn't not live with you. I couldn't not live with you either. We were so young and so dumb. And it was, I had we're fine. Three or four months. Just basically having my own apartment, but being at yours. Yes, that was so good. Well, and didn't didn't we move Cindy at the same time? And one of us ate shit on one of those U-Hauls. Somebody <laughs> hurt themselves. And it was... <laughs> was it me? I know who it was. <laughs> <laughs> so this, so because we had two apartments, we moved me and I was easier because I just moved in. Yeah. We moved you and your wife. Yeah. And there were a lot of times when something really dumb could have happened, including when we were, like, sticking that whole bookcase out the window (laughs) because we had to get it down those narrow steps over the car. 
couldn't have moved the car before we did that. The only heavy piece of furniture you owned that wasn't particle board. Amazing. That was so stupid. But no, what happened, if you will recall, is that you had a washer and a dryer set. Oh, yeah. And you were going to take it out of this townhouse. And the U-Haul was backed up to the garage and where the washer and dryer were. And your lovely wife, we have the ramp pulled down from the U-Haul. And she goes, I'm going to just push it real fast and get it up into the U-Haul. I'm just going to do it all at once. <laughs> so she goes, go, 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 gets to the bottom of the ramp. It does not connect with the, it does not slide up the ramp. It just connects with it. And she basically rams her pelvic That's bone funny. into this washing machine like she's trying to impregnate it. Like just bam, just, just right. crumples forward That's over the right. That was the first time I've ever seen a woman rack herself that bad. That's right. <laughs> oh, 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 my poor Aaron. I'll never forget. I'll never forget what that was like. Uh, that drive- yeah, and again, February. February. Ice. Oh, my that God. That driveway had it out for people's nuts, though, because you
I don't know why after all that you're <sighs> you're sending me today a letterman jacket patch that says disaster by. <laughs> I am sending you that. How did you know I actually <laughs> bought it? No. <laughs> today in the mail what went out was a sticker for you. That's a Sasquatch <laughs> that's in soft focus with the word bisexuals question mark over it. <laughs> Oh my god, that's amazing. It's the perfect cross-section of us. <laughs> oh my god, that's perfect. You're welcome. Wait for that one to come. <sighs> yeah. By and large, Sasquatch are by and large, <laughs> I've heard. talking about cannibalism for a couple episodes. <laughs> one or two. <laughs> okay. one or two. Here's why the Buckner building is still standing. Okay. It's got a lot of asbestos. Oh, no. And also, <laughs> where are you going to put it? What are you going to do with the rubble? What are you going to do yeah, with it? Like yeah. Just tote it out through the tunnel? <laughs> throw it, like, build a new asbestos island no. for the kids to enjoy out in the water? You're going to put on a bush plate and release it over the forest like when they seed a lake with baby trout. But it's asbestos. But it's slightly less charming than when it's fish. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Okay. So inside the new tower, which is not really a new no, tower, it's but not, it's the tower it? where people live. Okay. They've got everything, right? The post office, yeah. the mayor's office, mm-hmm. the law enforcement. Most of it is apartments. Mm-hmm. This is exciting. There's a B&B. So <laughs> if you are ever there and want to visit, you can. And there is a hostess on, I believe it's like straight up Airbnb who owns a couple of the apartments, and you can stay oh, wow. in the tower. Huh. And it's kind of like you can see attractions such as the tower, <laughs> where we all live. Yeah. <laughs> Head on down to the restaurant in the tower, where we all live. Yeah, pretty much. Now, what she does offer, which is great because she's up on the top two floors, is binoculars. Because, Dang. of course, the view is spectacular on the harbor yeah, side, right? Which, oh my god, imagine you go through all that to live in Whittier and you're not on the harbor side of the building. <laughs> no, fuck you're like, that. Could that not be where we put, like, the playground or something? Yeah. <sighs> every, so, I mean, in a building of that size with only 200 inhabitants, you feel like everybody mm-hmm. should... I mean, maybe, maybe it's leaning a little bit to port because everybody's on one side of the building. Yeah. But you really do feel <laughs> like everyone should get a harbor side view. You should. I'm like, it didn't used to, I don't know, maybe this one is smaller and that's why they, I don't know. So someone who went and stayed there said that a lot of people say that the binoculars are for seeing whales breaching and mountain goats grazing, but June will tell you that they're for finding out if your husband's at the bar. (laughs) And I'm like, June, you sound like a hot tamale. June can party (laughs) with us any day. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. So the people who live 
in the town that's under one roof. They describe it as basically being like a lot of other small towns, a lot of other Alaska small towns. But there are people who come and go, right? Like there's tourists, there's people who work in the canneries, there are people who come for seasonal stuff, but the real core is the people who will stay over the winter. Which is rough, right? Like that, uh, that's really, really short days and you can't go anywhere. So a lot of people are fascinated by Whittier. Yeah. And a lot of people have gone to talk to the people who live in Whittier and go, why do you live here? And people have different answers. Okay. So there are people who will say, you know, this is just home for me. Like, I grew up here, or I ended up here because I took a job, and now this is where I live, and it's great. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's unusual that we're all in one building, but it's just, you get used to it. There are people who say that this is so community-centered, mm. and that's what makes it so important to them. Okay. Because basically, everybody has to act as entities in this ecosystem right it's it only works because of the people that they have and most of the jobs in Whittier are maintaining Whittier Mm, okay you are working it it really is a commune with no religion basically right you sign me up like they're I know they're all in there together and everybody's got their little role on this island Moana style but there's no cult leader but you do have to say okay well who's gonna be the emt yeah who's gonna cook for the neighbors when they're sick who's gonna take care of this yeah you you have to have connections to the people around you yeah and that's what people have said is like people will visit from new york right and say look i'm used to being in a very high population density place i'm just not used to knowing the people on the other <laughs> side of the wall <laughs> that's very different right so there's an author whose name is on a different page than the page i'm on way to fill that <laughs> so space friend the hell? Okay, there's an author whose name is Jen Kinney. She's a writer and photographer who lived in Whittier for several years. And she had that same question of what draws you here? What makes this the right place for you? Mm-hmm. And she's the one who went, you know, everybody has a different answer. So here's a quote from her. For one person, living in Whittier was idyllic because they were really social and constantly were able to be around people. And for others, it was really idyllic because they were able to be completely isolated all the time. So there's this huge range of stories. There's one person that she talks about who her mother, this person's mother, was a heavy drinker, heavy party, wild child, moves to Alaska in the 70s, finds a job in Whittier, falls in love, turns her life around. Mends her relationship with her daughter. Her daughter says, okay, I'll come visit, mom. Like, you you sound like you're really in a better place yeah. right now. I'm interested to see how you're doing. She comes to visit for two months, and she ends up staying for 35 years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Or, and this one is sweet and a little sad, there's a resident who was escaping an abusive ex-husband. And okay. she's able to say, hey, guys who run the tunnel, don't let this dude through. Period. Oh. Period. He can't come. Uh, oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's so good. Yeah. So the way Kenny describes it is that there's kind of this like forced, it sounds almost like a summer camp camaraderie, right? <laughs> or the camaraderie yeah. you get when you've been on a plane that's not really going anywhere. 
You're like, we don't have anything in common, but we're all kind of on the same track right now. So they have bonfires in the summer and they have social events and yeah, everybody kind of knows each other. Yeah. But also a lot of it is inertia. So what Kenny says is, I wanted people's stories to have some dramatic and then I realized I loved it here. That's how I express italics, by the way. It's great, but you're you're not a theater kid at all. (laughs) It was usually more banal than that. Think about why any of us live anywhere. It's partially chance, partially desire, and partially inertia. Once Mm -hmm. you're somewhere, it's just easier to stay there. Mm -hmm. So whatever I was searching for, for some mystical explanation as to why people love this place, often it just came down to loyalty. People are loyal to places they've been and the people they know. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that actually makes a ton of sense. And yeah. I wonder what the prices are like there. Like, I, I wonder yeah. how much it costs. Well, actually, I wonder if we can look. Let's see, like, Whittier yeah. Real Estate, Alaska. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's eight results on Trulia. Oh, my God. Okay. Do if you'd tell. like to buy a unit, let's see, this is 100 Kenai Street. You can get this two bed, one bath, 762 square feet. For a cool $54,900. My goodness. Mm-hmm. I could have bought that without financing. I know. <laughs> like, it, it will... Oh, let's see. What does Zillow have? Yeah, again, okay. It's so the same place. Oh, this is a two-bed, one-bath, 932. This is number 414 for a cool 60 grand. This one, two bed, one bath, 79. So none of these are even cracking 80 grand to to purchase a condo in that building. What do what do they look like? The ones you're seeing Um, like, are they re updated? Have they been refinished? And my second question is, do you think everyone in the building has to approve you moving in? I don't think so. But well, I mean, logistically, no. Spiritually, yes. (laughs) so let's see i'm looking at this one and i feel bad because it's been on zillow for like two years and that's not fantastic these pictures are like it looks it looks like your retirement home is what i'm gonna say it looks like it's very very neutral and it looks like people didn't get somebody in to stage it they just tidied it up themselves and did a nice job like it looks like they went through and painted all the walls that sort of grayish you know, that, like, very, very neutral, yes. don't worry about yes. it, it's just here. Yes. <clears throat> it's not It's not really a dingy white, it's also not really that a tan. That was re- leaning in just real close to figure out whether that was a bathtub in the kitchen. But I'm pretty sure it's a, <laughs> a weird window and shelving unit that has combined to evoke a bathtub. It looks like uh. everybody's starter apartment, basically. Like, the carpet is that builder's okay. grade, basic stuff. But man, the views. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, and so I suppose you are moving there for, if you're moving there now, you're not moving there for luxury. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense that you uh, wouldn't necessarily be put off by the fact that it's builder grade or that it's a little... Mm-hmm. Um, bland i suppose yeah well maybe Um, that's kind of the the thing too they're not like oh you want to be in the most exotic one it's like look if you want to live here you could be anybody looking at this one and they've done it looks like a kind of pergo floor they're a little more 
leather chair and glass chrome desk, but you know, basically the same <laughs> deal. It looks like any apartment, I think. Just, but this okay. one has a view okay. with a caribou pen. <laughs> oh, wait, they have a caribou pen? Yes, they Excuse do. Excuse me? Yes. What? Well, all right. I guess they are just co-op pets? Like, uh, why, do, why does the building have a caribou pen? I'm trying to find out. This raises further questions. I know. I really, really opened a can of worms there that I was not you prepared did. to corral. Uh, yeah, oh opened a pen of caribou. I'm also looking at this wildlife viewing guide from Whittier that's all like, how to not get eaten by a bear. Please don't get eaten by a bear. Please clap your hands. Please have bells. Please oh make my. noise and sing. If you see a bear, stay calm. Never run from a bear. If a bear oh strikes, my. play dead or fight back. There are bears in the Buckner building now, by the way. Excuse me? The, the abandoned one? Yeah, bears have moved in. So I guess it's not really abandoned Excuse so much as it is for me? bears now. What in the fuck? You mean the next time I go urbexing, I have to worry about motherfucking bears? Mm hmm. Excuse me, I will not. <laughs> they want to live in a How condo. Dare you? The real How estate prices are you? so good. <laughs> but honey, look at the view. How dare you <laughs> tell me that? You have told me now that there are sharks in my beautiful Puget Sound water in Lake Washington, in a place that is called a lake. Which, by definition, should not have sharks in it. And now you're telling me there are bears in the condo I want to move into. Yeah. Go away. <laughs> Sorry. Not into no, it. No, they're in the other one. They're in the ice rink one. It's fine. Yeah, they're in the ice rink. Yeah, they're yeah. just, you know, down the road in this other giant building that's just kind of the other feature of your entire town. What's to worry about? Yeah, yeah, they're in the other building getting used to the fineries and conveniences of living indoors, which means it is one step until they come knocking on my door and saying like, oh, this is better because you have cable. You may Get have out. a point. You may have a point. Like, I, I <sighs> like to, I don't like huge cities. Like, I'm not attracted to that. But I like options. I have never thrived very well in a town that small, I think. Yeah. I think I would you... spend a lot of time online. Okay, I, I would get back into World you know, of Warcraft. But, yeah, I want to stay here. <laughs> it would be deliberate and on a computer, not just on my phone. Mm -hmm. Could you live in? I was just going to ask you that, and I don't mean to jump ahead because that was also the question I'd ask you at the end of the episode. This but is the end of the you... episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you think you could live in Whittier for a year or more? Yes, I think I could. Okay. I think it would have to be that I was there for a reason. Because that's the challenge. If I was, I couldn't live anywhere if I was in search of a purpose and something to do with my day. But I especially couldn't do it in a place like that. I would end up, I, yeah. I'm like a dog. Like I would make up a job for myself yeah. and it might not be what you want me to do. I might dig under the fence. You might chew up all the toilet paper rolls in the house. I might. Bitch, I might. Like, I, <laughs> I would come up with a, I, I think a lot would happen. I think the thing actually that would bug me a lot, and this is an unexpectedly earnest answer, is that a lot of my day-to-day -day has to do with making sure that I have good access to, like, mental health stuff. And I mm -hmm. worry that 
as much of a pain in the ass as it is to get meds refilled now, I'm trying to picture what it would be like if you lived there. Right. Oh, or like, yeah. I don't even like to schlep my ass to Kaiser and it's literally walking distance. And I yeah. still will leave it till the absolute last minute before I go pick up a refill. So like that's yes. a consideration. Or maybe you're just like, man, I could really go for some Singaporean food. Like, yes. Not only is that not happening with a restaurant, that's not happening with ingredients. Like that's going <laughs> to be like prison, I think. You are really like there's a cozy corner. It is a little mart, like a little shop. Like I imagine it's like the place yeah. that we went to when we were in Roslyn, right? Like they, yes. they all have that. And you're like, yeah, if you're going to be here for a weekend or a week, you will absolutely be able to stock and provision yourself completely adequately and the people running it are really nice if you are there month in and month out you might get real sick of noodles oh so tired of peanut butter and jelly Mm -hmm. yeah so i i think i could but i don't think i would choose to without a compelling reason how about you uh i think pretty much exactly your answer it would be easier for me to live for a year in a small irish village than it would be for me to live for a year in a place that gets that much snow Mm, because what i have decided as i get older is that i have a single blood that pumps its way through my whole body and therefore i'm always cold alaska would not do it for me and i would absolutely murder something if I didn't have the ability to go outside at least once mm-hmm. a day. And it sounds like sometimes that's not a great idea there. I, I would go outside in the Irish rain all I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but that does not sound like something that I would be okay doing long term, specifically in that place. Yeah, I feel like, and this is not me criticizing or judging people who do like it there, because mm-hmm. there's a lid for every pot, etc. Totally, but dude. I feel like if you said, hey, can you go live in Alaska? The things that I would say, okay, this will be a compensation for the short days and the expensive fruit and all this, mm-hmm. it would be wide open space and yeah. a lot of solitude if I wanted and a lot of natural space to explore and be in and amazing views that are different all the time and this setting really seems to lack a lot of that it yeah sounds like that to me yeah but also go ahead ahead. oh it's just gonna say but amazing if they ever manage to like cave in the tunnel and then it's just stephen king's under the dome like it's it's gonna get wild real fast this is a fascinating premise like if somebody explained that if somebody started a horror movie or a novel like this i'd be like yeah okay what yeah what no that wouldn't happen (laughs) but it does (laughs) jason tells this story of a friend they went to a movie with they went to see superman (laughs) and throughout the entire movie superman's flying around and he's doing inhuman feats And things are happening that strain credibility. But it was when Superman got shot in the eye and the bullet bounced off of his eyeball that in the middle of this theater, their friend went, yeah, right. (laughs) 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 That that is what broke the suspension of disbelief for him. And I like that your suspension of disbelief is broken with 200 people choose to live in a tiny Alaska town in one building where the only way out is a tunnel. 
It sounds like something written by people who don't know anything about Alaska, except yes. it's shaped by everything about what Alaska is like, which is yes. it's weird and it attracts unusual people and it brings out some very experimental phases in things like mm. the military. <laughs> yeah, I get I think Alaska is kind of like the purple hair and beret piercing of the military mm-hmm. phase, yeah. you know. Like I'll just do this. I'm off at college, it doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't count. Mom's not going to see me until Christmas. Yeah. So that's my story about Whittier, Alaska, which is amazing to the best of my ability, completely true. I will share my show notes and resources as ever. And you can look at all the marvelous pictures because they are interesting. There's too many of the rooms that don't have windows and that bugs me. Yeah. And I'm sure it was like a security choice. But man. I suppose, but I, I'm no thank you. I need two points of egress. Mm-hmm. I need to be able. I'm like when they make f- cat houses for feral cats, and they're it's a warming station, and they're like you can't ever just have one entrance and exit because if one cat is in there and another cat comes in, the first cat needs a way to get out or oh. they will fight. See. And I I just always need an escape route. Okay, yeah, that tracks. That yeah. tracks. I think. It would, I don't think it would bring out a claustrophobia in me, but I think I would do the thing where it's working my nerves and I can't articulate it, and then some completely innocuous thing happens and I decide that's the problem. Yeah. Like, I would just yeah. pick an enemy, you know, or or decide <laughs> that I hated my neighbor's dog barking or whatever, yes. you know? It, something would get to me and it would be because... I was not doing well, but I wouldn't understand that. I I don't know that it would bring out the best in me. I concur. And I'm a pretty patient, cool person. Mm -hmm. And that would, the moment that it was enforced upon me is the moment I would be like, nope, don't like it. Don't like anything. My whole skin itches. Mm -hmm. So y'all are going to have to go. Yeah. I also think of any building that I can picture myself chilling in like that. I have a much easier time imagining, like, I, even, like, the Stanley Hotel, right? Or yeah. something rather than just concrete. Because yeah. it's going to look like every institution you've been in in your life, right? Yeah. Every, every Cold War school, every yeah. gross hospital, every, like, no, I think yeah. that would be every very Every government building. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, no, you lock me in Versailles, you put Mm -hmm. that on the edge of the Alaskan wilderness, and at least I got something to look at. Yeah. I do like the part where they live by the water. I think that would be cool. Mm -hmm. But it also means they're so subject to the elements, and that would get to be a lot. But yeah. Yeah, it really would be. Oh, wow, what a fascinating place. I would would totally go and stay in an Airbnb, though. I would tourist that shit up. Yeah, I'd be like, I'll go for a couple days and mm-hmm. just kind of check it out and see what it's like. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's half of their income, I'm sure, at this point is tourists. So just be respectful sure. and do your thing. And cool. Why not? Yeah. I have a feeling when you're a tourist, then you pretty much only interact with the people who want to be interacted with. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, there's got to be. And I mean, think about that building. Think about how huge it is. And there's mm-hmm. 200 people. I mean, there have got to be so many like 
backways and sideways and ins and outs mm-hmm. and different little passageways. Like you could definitely have a public space where tourists go and then private spaces mm-hmm. where only residents would know how to access. Yeah. Yeah. Or like if you do cross paths with a tourist and you don't feel like interacting with them, like just flip them off. What are they going to do? They don't know who you are. Like, <laughs> they have no clue. No. Yeah. They're not staying there. <sighs> That's my story. I'm oh, going to do the social media spiel, which is to come Please see do. us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, to visit the website at WeJabrods.com, to catch up on special content and uncut episodes. You can go to Patreon.com slash and thank you to all our past, present, and future patrons. Oh, mm-hmm. I almost forgot. We recently huh. turned down a sponsorship. Yeah, and I'm not going to name names. But it was not congruent with our values, she Mm -hmm. said with an up talk. Here's what I'm (laughs) going to say about that is, you know, that we value mental health a lot on the show, right? Like, I think we've both been really upfront about our own mental health issues. We've tried to never use the word crazy in a derogatory way. Getting good mental health support is incredibly important. There are companies out there right now that will offer to connect you with a therapist or a counselor through their website and through their service. And I'm not calling anyone out specifically, but I'm going to tell you if that's something you're interested in. I know people have had good experiences. and I have no people who've had very bad experiences. Mm-hmm. So here's what I'm going to say about that. If that seems like an option you want to pursue... I would like you, as my children, to go do two things, okay? One is read the terms and conditions very carefully to make sure that your information is secure and private and protected under all the legal protections that you should have in a therapist-client relationship. You need to make sure that that's the case because it has not been going well. If people running these have been turning the patients into the product, and that's not good. Oh. The other thing is the licensure and certification, and in some states, complaints against any given licensed mental health professional are a matter of public record. So if you are getting connected with someone, you can and should look up to see what they're credentialed to do. So if that's an avenue that seems like it makes sense for you, absolutely feel free to pursue it. However, I think that it is... One of those things where I'm not saying that like every mental health counselor that you meet in the real world is scrupulous by any means, but I think that these online things, any new modality like this has pitfalls that aren't going to be immediately evident. And I think the data thing is one and the licensure thing is one. So please, if that's something you want to do, proceed with caution. And hey, thank you, patrons, for making it so that we can say, you know what, I don't think that's actually what we want to do because I'm not confident in the quality control. Oh, that's so wonderful. Seriously, the patrons that we have, there are some of them who have been with us for Mm -hmm. almost three years now. This month, Liz, we will have been doing this podcast for three years. March 2020. Wow. I know it. I will not. Hey, patrons, um, thanks for the fuck you money. Like, yeah, for- exactly. That's, <laughs> and it is a small amount that it takes for it to be fuck you money. Mm-hmm. It is marvelous. The support that we have is not to say that your donations are small, but just know that you don't have to commit much for Liz and I to be able to say fuck you to sponsors <laughs> that we don't want to partner with and still mm-hmm. have the ability to engage 
transcript services or editorial services or hopefully one day down the road, graphic design services Ooh, I love so it. that we can um, make this exactly what we want it to be for as many people as we can. Yeah. So thank you all for that. I'm just going to wrap it up and I'm going to tell people to do what they're going to do, which is to live weird. To die weird. And stay weird. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening, friends. Mm-hmm.